0: My next guest you've heard him before with Doctor Democracy he is Dustin Lawson. He's one of the main key you know main characters of the Logos party and uh, which is like an independent party. And he joins me now once again Dustin. Thanks for joining.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on again.
0: You've got a huge project coming up, but I got to get your thoughts on this whole debt feeling sure. not that yeah, yeah. It is is the debt part of a collapse of the democracy.
1: Um uh, I think that It's hard to to forecast out how democracies die, but if if you're as pessimistic as our second president, John Adams, was, then you you think that they tend to always kill themselves in some way. He said that there was never a democracy that did not commit suicide, and he said that in like 1816 in his retired age, so he'd had like 20 years to look at the nation he'd helped found, and he, he was already already skeptical and i would say that the in a runaway debt for a lot of people it looks like it's uh not a real thing that just every year that, that as if the, the that the, the creditors aren't going to be coming at some point or some it, i don't know it, it it seems like it's definitely one of the one of the uh downfalls Potential downfalls, yeah. It's definitely something that's out of control, and there's no, really no way to rein it back in without serious cuts to um, social programs, which no one, <laughs> you're never going to get a majority of America behind that. All
0: right, debt Ceiling, you are a historical guy, so where did that term come from? When did it really start? Is it a modern-day thing or a very, very old type of government term, if you will?
1: Um, I... I I would have to do more research on that. But I mean, even from the beginning, I mean, when we were deciding, when Alexander Hamilton and Washington and Jefferson and them were thinking about how centralized should the federal government be, should the states be more powerful, one of the biggest things they debated over and one of the biggest things that created the first two political parties was, do we absorb all the, the, the colonies' debts from the, from the Revolutionary War so that we can have a central bank? which that was Hamilton's plan. And then we would have an international credit and Jefferson and and Madison thought that was way too much powerful. The federal government right there, right in the first administration, we had the split between them and we've debt's gone up and down ever since, but it's been something manageable. And then World War II came along and all the bonds. And that's when debt really got federal debt, got a lot bigger, but it was still managed somewhat managed well but then the 80s hit and tax cuts for the rich and deregulation and then it just kept ballooning and then i think the debt was like five billion in 2000 i had to check myself but now it's almost 30 billion in just 20 years so it's gone from like half a half a billion after world war ii like that to five billion in those 60 years and 55 years and then it's just out of control since then
0: Dustin, I gotta say, you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago that, you know, everybody thinks it's just raising the debt ceiling, but you're saying no, it's it's worse than that. So, why isn't the raise of the debt ceiling equaling kicking the can down the road, which I used to equate the two of them uh, very similar? But but is this different now?
1: Kicking the can down the road is that? That's that.
0: Yeah, like that that term gets used a lot when you talk yeah. about the debt. Yeah. Well, okay. Kind
1: of, I, I guess I was I would compare it to. I'm a cancer survivor. I had cancer back in 2005. And when I first noticed a problem, I ignored it. And I kicked it down the road in a way. I was like, "Uh, maybe maybe my body will deal with it itself. But then it got worse. Six weeks later, I was like, okay, I got to go see the doctor. Fortunately, I didn't wait too long and it was an easy fix. But I feel like that's what we're doing now is that it's a tumor. It's a cancer, the death, that we just keep kicking down the road. Kind of like probably, I guess, many would say environmental regulation and climate change as well. We just uh, we just keep kicking it down the road because we're, we're so short-term focused because congressmen have to get elected every two years, senators every six years. And it's it's hard for I'm, – I'm not giving them it out, but I'm saying to be that long-term focused, it's almost like you just kick it down the road, get it reelected, and you never actually deal with a long-term issue. And they just we propound were- and the tumor grows bigger.
0: I feel like this is a this, what you're talking about is why you want the solocratic branch, which I'll get to in a second. Sure. But you talk about the senators having a tough time. Cinema and Mansion have been harassed over not supporting this infrastructure bill. What's your take on all that?
1: Um, I mean, there's some people who are getting behind them and saying, "Oh, well, they're the moderates who are trying to the moderate Democrats who are trying to um, keep the." this runaway huge spending bill three point trillion from going forward because it's just way too much money if they're they're sitting there looking at the spreadsheets trying to wait i don't think that's what they're doing i think it's probably more because they get a lot of money from corporate donations who don't want to see that particular bill go forward i wish they were more i could give them the more honorable motive but i don't think it's probably the case
0: and i know they're getting pressures in their own seats um uh, on both sides of the aisle, really, when you think about it. But I I I reach out to you because your DC, which I think you live in, if I'm not mistaken, which why I want I do. to be on. Yeah,
1: this is where uh, I vote.
0: There's actually a DC statehood movement that was, as the Washington Examiner put it, rebuffed by the Supreme Court. What happened with this?
1: I honestly, I I thought honestly it looked po- like a positive, like it was finally going to happen. And I'm always skeptical of anything like that going forward that it would happen, but I honestly thought Congress was going to push it forward and actually give them legitimate legitimacy so that we actually have a representative. This that person just doesn't have any voting power. It's kind of just a stand in to I don't know, superficial almost, but um and it almost happened. But I honestly I don't know what I'd I'd had to read the um what their rebuttal was the Supreme Court for why they didn't see it as being a valid state. I mean, it seems so like I, I mean my my, you, my 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 license plate says no taxation without without representation, <laughs> and that's what almost all the D.C. license plates
0: say. Well, let me ask you this then: so you, so you feel that they should be represented, but in my view, I just thought that it would not be good for democracy if it was a statehood. Maybe that was a jaded feeling. You, you feel like them being represented would actually boost the democracy or the republic that is america
1: sure well the dc's got got a population of half a million or so and that's actually i think that's the number that for uh to have a representative that constitutionally that for every i mean i'm sure it changes they can change it from decade to decade but like if you're if your population is this then you get a representative I mean, and there's 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 states that have less people in them than D.C. itself, and they have two senators and a con- and congressman. And um, I know it's it seems like oh that's the seat of power, so but it is just one congressman that that we would get. It doesn't seem there would be other things symbolically that would go along with giving statehood to it, but um, I don't know. It, it feels like oh well, they have all the power there it's D.C. but all the locals, all the citizens who aren't in government, they don't have as much power. Like when I voted for the president, or when I voted for the midterm, um, when I lived here in DC, it was funny because w- where I went to vote, I could see in the distance the Capitol building. But I, but I thought my little precinct back in rural Ohio in my little town of 300 had more power in the, in voting there in Ohio than it did right there, even though I could see the Capitol building.
0: Well, I want to ask you that, because as you know, the Congress has been wanting to redistrict a lot and rezone. Isn't it kind of funny they're all doing the rezoning of these other districts, yet DC can't get recognition? I, I guess there is some kind of
1: humor to it. Right. Well, you have to have so, you have to have someone speaking up for you, I and mean, then you don't have representation. It's 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 more difficult to. Um, I mean, the, the redistricting of each state, I guess they I mean they have all their backing behind them to. <laughs> There's not much, I guess the Republicans probably wouldn't want D.C. to be a state because it'd probably be a for sure Democratic seat every time. Um, Right. But
0: But why was the Supreme Court involved, I guess, is my next question. I
1: don't know. I don't even know how it got to that. I I thought it it would just be a congressional. It it doesn't go past the Congress. But I I guess someone filed a lawsuit and then it got to go to the Supreme Court, and and so they got to decide, which almost seems like, Maybe the court had too much – I don't know. It's it's subjective. Did they have too much power in that case or not? I'm not sure. If you can just file a lawsuit against a a piece of legislation and get it to the Supreme Court so that they can decide on. I don't know. It's a fine balance. I feel like
0: D.C. is kind of representative of what you want, which is a solocratic branch. Because let's face it, it is needing representation. And and maybe – would you say – they should branch out and, and be solocratic themselves, DC. Or what? What is your meaning behind? It? I feel like there's some relationship between DC wanting statehood and what you're proposing in your next book. Sure.
1: Um, well, okay. The book itself, solocratic. The name comes from the combination of Solon and Socratic. And Solon was the in the sixth century BC. He was the state. Gr- Greece was threatening civil war, Athens specifically, and so they appointed this guy this moderate statesman to just kind of help re- revamp the constitution to moderate the situation and he did that and his changes eventually led to the first democracy and then socratic is obviously the, so- the socratic method socrates's method of teaching where he didn't really try to teach people what to believe so he didn't like say you should believe this politically but he said look i don't know anything come and join me in the position of of ignorance of intellectual humility of basically of reason and so i guess the first three branches of the government are devoted to the rule of law the executive branch enforcing the law the legislative branch creating the laws the judicial branch interpreting the laws and i had the idea of a fourth branch of government that was just there to help our country be devoted to the, what i call the rule of reason and i helped develop what i think reason is and how this branch would work and basically it has no rule of law power so it has no power of enforcement but like a doctor who suggests a remedy that you don't have to take it would be there to constantly be promoting the message of just how to be more of a critical thinking culture um suggesting the remedy and hope that eventually in time we can help diffuse the partisan divide that just becomes more irrational on both sides and just it causes irrational legislation, and then irrational judicial decisions, irrational executive decisions, and it just pervades, starts pervading the culture on both sides.
0: Did the pandemic uh, inspire you to do this book? Because I feel like the pandemic really opened up the wounds, the divisions. It did. Well between
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, you, you wrote you wrote the read the the Logos Party, so a lot of the same principles are there. But then I just like I got so fed up with the, the word party the idea of party like how do i how what kind of how, what idea could i come up with to try and promote these same ideas void of the party and i that's when i came up with an independent neutral branch of government that could help implement these same policies because as soon as you attach the word party you're going to completely you're going to divide the country on that word because it's going to be part of it's going to get it, it runs a greater risk of partisanship. And the, the, yes, the pandemic, definitely. I mean, mass fear kind of runs up against reason where, okay, you're afraid of something. Are you going to be calm and rational? Or are you going to freak out and do ridiculous things? And in many cases, Ugh. the pandemic showed us that what fear does to us, that it, it makes, it just takes us right back to our caveman mindset that we <laughs> thought we did away with, but clearly it's still there inside of us.
0: You know, it's funny you say that because um, Biden actually called uh, Texas Neanderthal for for the way they were approaching the pandemic. It just showed the, the divide. I'm um, reading right. about Solon, the sixth century BC Um I feel like uh, there's some connection here to the Roman Empire too, because we saw them sure. have all these rulings, and and uh, they had said that withdrawing from the Roman. You know, one article I read. From Zokala Public Square, uh, was a, like the withdrawal um, that the Roman Empire did from certain areas, and, and like we withdrew from Afghanistan, are sort of leading to the collapse of of the you know right. the empire. Now, I thought you served in Afghanistan. Am I wrong on that?
1: I did not. No, I I, I because of cancer, I didn't actually get in the military till um, right right at the end of 2010, and by the time I got through all my training, it was kind of. We're obviously we're still there but the drawdown was happening and my my particular uh skill and job that I was trained in was not really something they called for. I went to Europe, uh Puerto Rico, Peru and then different places around the country, but no, no nope, did never make the I, sandbox.
0: So I, I did remember you were in the military, so from that aspect was the withdrawal of Afghanistan another reason why we needed another branch to hold all these different moves accountable?
1: Um, that well, I don't know. I think, I mean, Afghanistan in the long haul, we might look back and think, okay, glad we got out. In the short term, it definitely looked crazy and unplanned and un. And maybe it was, I don't know. But I also, as a soldier, I don't like a spread all over the world from my perspective. I feel like, like when I was in Kosovo. I was in uniform every day and had a gun on my hip, but it felt like I was a diplomat. And I feel like so often soldiers in uniform with guns on their hips are serving in the diplomatic role, and I like that for soldiers. I much prefer that than them actually pulling the trigger. But I feel like diplomacy would be better served if it was done by people in civilian clothes Very <laughs> instead of in- soldiers oh, I- spread all over the world.
0: And and you mean when you mean civility, you don't even mean like suits and ties. You mean just regular plain clothes yeah, people right. at the table and negotiating this. Because look, I think we all agree the not in my backyard movement is a big deal, right? We all want to just kinda of live our own right. lives. All right. I'm looking at the rules of reason now. And number three sure. stands out. The scientific method, the most reliable technique for finding truth. I feel like the science has been swayed every possible way to move the goalposts on COVID and I feel like you feel the same way.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, think thing about science is that science is wrong all the time. Any sci- any in that's kind of the nature of it. That it's wrong. I mean, it was I don't know Thomas Edison. He said he was wrong ten thousand times before he was right once. That's kind of the, the nature of science. So when you say, oh, well, sci-, when people say science is wrong all the time, if a person, if the scientist is being true to science, and they're not lying about the results, and they're just saying. Then yeah, we're going to be wrong a lot before we're right. That's that's just the nature of it. That's how that's how tr- finding truth is difficult. It's not as e- it's not usually very easy, and it takes a lot of failure, a lot of trial and error, mm-hmm. to actually get to what reality is on a situation. And that's the nature of science, the nature of reason itself.
0: And so often we just
1: want the quick fix, want the quick answer. That's just usually not the right answer most of the time.
0: And oh man, it's, it's
1: not really based policy. Then we get
0: attached to our wrong answer because we've already invested in it, and then we start defending it. But like, no, you've got to be willing to admit that maybe you took the wrong turn, suck it up,
1: let it go, and move on. But we get so attached to something because we devote so much time to
0: it. Scientists do, too. Right? Well, let me ask you about this because I, I think it's such a fascinating thing what you want one done. It almost sounds like an election to me every year because you say, it be constitutionally mandated for the president, vice president, cabinet members, senators, representatives, federal jur- judges, and journalists who cover the first three branches of government to go to the solocratic branch once a year and receive from the elected officials of the solocratic branch yep, right. a Socratic method like rule of reason checkup. First of all, are you suggesting a a once a year election at this point? I mean, it feels like that's what an election no, it's is, it's but not an election.
1: There's a, a, a elected offices, they get elected for six-year
0: terms, but every year
1: every year, all these different people have to come and basically just get a rule a, a, a of reason license for checkout. You can come worry. on mic a little bit. You're a little ways away from the
0: mic. Uh, oh, the I'm sorry. Phone. How's that? How's that? Way better, yeah. Okay, sorry. My, my phone
1: is being animated, so I pulled the phone. Um, but I... But basically, no, all these people, not just during election time, but every, every year would come to just get another a basic fundamental lesson of what it means to be a person of reason. And these are just the – Those 10 rules. Those are the basics, the fundamentals that all citizens can follow. It's like going to, it's like going to basic training. Soldiers go to basic training on the basics of soldiering. Most people can make it through basic training. It's, so it's, these are the fundamentals, and they've been there since. Another reason I chose that name is because they've been there since the ancient Greeks. They're the ones who first formulated what reason is, and it hasn't changed in 2,500 years. So we just we don't have to – so reason's not new. It just has to be constantly renewed, generation to generation, century to century, because partisan dogma just has a way in our cellular level of just re coming back again and again. And, I mean, Washington said in his farewell address, in 1797 that it's, it's essential that the public opinion is enlightened. If not, it's not, then democracy, the Republic can't survive interior reign. Mm.
0: Uh, no, it, it can't. And that's, that's what we're we'll worried about. Okay. Dustin Lawson, you always come at this with this whole reason, common sense ideas. And I feel like that would never work as a politician. So through your writing, how do you hope to inspire, uh, average, everyday people to, to make this branch? I mean, I don't know if you're expecting an actual branch, but there's like a metaphor here. So get into the sure. metaphor a it, little it, bit.
1: It, I would say a lot of things start as a metaphor and become reality. This is a metaphor of what I, mostly, of, of when I start marketing as, do I think it's, it's real? It's, it, could, it could be realistic, but it's more of everyone needs to write the laws of reason on their own heart kind
0: of thing. And and so how do you feel like? Uh, how, how does the reaction go? Do you feel like a lot of people resonate with this, or do they sort of? What 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 what's been your interaction as you send all these out? These I sure. I,
1: okay. I, I think that the country is not as divided as we think. It's just the the parts that are divided speak very very loud. I would. I mean, forty percent of the country is independence, which is the second biggest. Which is the biggest political group. Second is like Democrats at 31%, Republicans at like 26 or 27%. So 40% of the country already doesn't like them speaking generally, don't like the partisanship. And I would say 70% of the country overall is probably more inclined to want to see where, find common ground with each other, but it's the voices that speak the loudest that are the partisan voices. So it makes it really look, like we're far more divided than we are because they're speaking the loudest. And if you get another voice in there and create a symbol, the symbols are so important. I think in in the book on tyranny, the author said um, that citizens need to be very careful about what symbolizes their country because the fate of nations often rests on what they allow to symbolize them. And right now, uh, in many regards, we're symbolized by a two-party, extremely partisan tribalistic nature and, I don't know, the branch is just a, it's a metaphor, yes, but it's a symbol that I, uh, of of intellectual humility that I think we, we greatly lack in our public discourse. I I think it would resonate well with a lot of, with, with the majority of Americans. And again, it's just, it's like the basic fundamentals of reason. It's not like it's something beyond, you know, I say in the book, like, look at Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin. They, they, for me, they're, um, they're an intelligence that's far beyond my capability. But their intelligence was unleashed by them being so good at following the fundamentals of reason that we all can follow. Mm.
0: Say that one more time. I love that line.
1: Yeah. Um, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, like, when I look at them, they, their intelligence is – it's something that it's it's too high for me to emulate. They're geniuses, but their their greatness, their intellect was unleashed by them being so good at following the fundamentals of reason, which is something that we all can follow. And when you ask, it's like okay, for a more modern, when you ask Michael Jordan, why are you so good? Is it because you can jump so high? Is it because you are so fast, so quick? And he's like. I always go back I, because I mastered the fundamentals that you learn when you're eight years old. I'm so good at the fundamentals that the fund, that they amplify my natural ability, and it's kind of that always resonated with me as well. I can't jump high, but I can I can always learn the fundamentals of basketball it's the same way as reason. You can learn the fundamentals of reason.
0: I love what you just said. Uh, amplifying our best abilities and. I don't even think this fourth estate known as the press is doing that either. So, how do we hold them accountable?
1: Say it, say it, again. Say it again.
0: Well, you just said to amplify our best abilities and, and um, amplify. I would say that's a metaphor for amplifying all of America, right? So, sure. you mentioned the press, and I feel like the press doesn't amplify the good right. of America, the abilities of America. Yep. And you know that, that you implicate them here. So, how do we hold them accountable?
1: Yeah. Um, well, the same, uh, okay. When the, when the founding fathers created the government, they created the three branches of the government for the rule of law. But they also knew very well that the country had to be under the rule of reason. But they didn't create a branch for that. That was kind of, that went to the unofficial fourth branch, which is the free press. The free press is supposed to be the, that unofficial branch of government that keeps us attached to reality, fact-based. And reason based, and propaganda has always been there, and we've so Uncle Sam's always been addicted to that drug, but he's kind of been like in the book. I say he's kind of been a functional addict for his most of his life, but now, when the advent of the internet, which made everyone a a journalist and just overwhelmed our culture with misinformation, and and it it made all the so many of the media outlets lower their standards for journalistic integrity, and so because propaganda became so profitable that it's just not verify, verifying <laughs> accurate information. and you are getting away from it. um How do you verify reality? Well, they don't care. They, they're, they want it to be partisan in propaganda because it makes millions of dollars. And so um, how do you bring the journal, media back in as well? And this all-accounted kind of branch idea was just that if you want to cover the federal government as a journalist, you also have to come and get your yearly checkup as well. There's no enforcement in it and if the solar kind branch has no ability to enforce anything on journalists, because that would be like Orwell's Ministry of Truth, which is really the Ministry of Propaganda in 1984, where they just re-edited everything to make it always look like it said what Big Brother wanted to hear. But the media is a tough one, because it's so decentralized now. It's not like it used to be, where there was four news outlets, and you could talk to 40 million people at once. There's so many people that even if you are committed to journalistic integrity, your audience is such a, a narrower um, subsection of the culture that it's harder to have a positive influence widespread on them because it's so
0: fragmented now. And I see your main character, Dr. Democracy is an elected official of the branch. Obviously he's like the George Washington of the Solocratic branch. Is he not? Yeah,
1: uh, definitely. Yeah. I might change the name. I have a few on the list. That was just
0: kind of a- Oh, Dustin, well, you're a little way, to, way from the mic. There, there you go. Oh, sorry. But
1: yeah, um, George Washington was like at the end of his term. He was so frustrated with that that two parties had already arisen and they came from within his own cabinet. Because he, he, I mean, it might have been an unrealistic dream, and he might have even done that to want to want a government without parties. And I, I think it was totally unrealistic. But um, he still felt in the need that even that the party he said the party spirits within our nature so it's probably not it's probably unrealistic to not have parties but the fury of party spirit what is what he said he's like that's what we need to keep tamed because the fury of party spirit I mean he just went on a long list of what it causes which it's, it sounds like he wrote it yesterday but he wrote it in 1796 with obviously the help of hamilton and he's like it just it causes insurrections it causes foment jealousies and the create false enemies, and it creates an open door for foreign influence and It was just like, geez, man, did you write this in twenty twenty or do this is seventeen ninety six but um, so I mean, it was just a universal principles that he was laying out, you've gotta be careful parties are okay, but they they eventually become so tribal that they throw away reason because people don't wanna speak out against their own party as much. And so they just fall in line with something that they don't even believe in, just they can stay within the group and not get ostracized. And that's how you gradually lose touch with reality and start falling for propaganda and myths and start creating legislation based off of these myths. And eventually you just, you're, you're, you're no longer trying to fix problems in reality. You're just trying to come up with how do you fight the fake enemies that you keep creating.
0: Well, one last note on this before we, we head out for the day. Um, the idea is eventually every citizen receives a rule of reason exam before voting. I think that's yeah. what your your yeah. main home drive home, you know, point that you want to drive home is, right? Yeah. No,
1: definitely. Um, if start, I mean, a lot of things, actually things often start backwards or the other way, and they start like on a state level. And many states I accept something before the federal government accepts it, but within this, I kept it simple and said it's sort of start on the federal level, and maybe it seeps down to the local level. That I mean, I personally, I mean, this might be too far for many people. I think we ought to have to take like a basic civics test before every time we get to vote, just to show that we give it, that we give some, that we 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 value education enough to be able to learn the basics of of. of particular historical things or in current events and things um, just to help symbolize it'd be an easy test. It, you get the, you can have the answers beforehand to learn them, but just as a symbol of the, the necessity of education and to have an informed vote, because as I mean, as, as Washington said, I already said earlier, it is essential that the public opinion is enlightened or else it, should, the Republic's just going to gradually fall apart.
0: It's about giving a damn, and I think that's what your whole point is. And reason with reason, give a damn mindfully, right? So,
1: give a damn. Like, be passionate, but let reason let 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 reason hold the reins of the passion. Ben Franklin said that.
0: Oh, I love it. Way to end that uh, segment here. I will talk to you very soon. Once again, we got to continue this conversation. So when it does get published, let me know, and we'll have you back on, Dustin Lawson.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I'm Alex Garrett. We're always adapting. We're always trying to be reasonable here. And uh, Dustin Wilson sits right in. So thanks again. And I'm Alex Garrett. We'll talk to you very, very soon on Alex Garrett Podcasting.